The views and opinions expressed on the Poor Ass Podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of BME Recovery Content Productions. Any content provided by our guests are of their opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. And on that note, enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. I have a new website. Go to www.poraspodcast.com for episodes. That's www.poraspodcast.com. So if you hear vcomedy.com, that is the old website. Go to www.poraspodcast.com for episodes and enjoy the show thanks for listening thanks for supporting bye Welcome to another episode of Poor Ass Podcast, the podcast where we talk about tough shit on a budget and can we live a sustainable life while on a budget. Today's guest is Justin Kayser. He is my friend, comedian, turned DJ, and Mm -hmm. basically like the jack of all trades when it comes to creativity. And we'll talk a little bit um, about that. I wanted to get Justin on the podcast because I love his story and um, I know I've been I've been doing some episodes where it's very pandemic focused and I do want to like mix it up a little bit and put some fun episodes just to like you know just take a break from the the chaos but also you know I also want to know like how Justin is doing with um, coping with the pandemic because we're all dealing with it but it's nice to have like a little break between like the seriousness of it but I I knew Justin as Justin Simpson and he's now uh, Kajer Justin mm-hmm. Kajer. and I'm curious how did Justin Kajer come to be all right so here's the interesting thing Justin Kajer is actually a part of my real name my full name is Justin Kajer Simpson but when I trans, uh, I transferred to uh, house music and DJing and something like that, I just felt that Justin Kayser sounded a lot better market-wise. And it's funny, you mentioned I had done stand-up comedy uh, a long, long time ago, and I just used my real name for that. So it's almost like separating the two. When I did stand-up, I used my regular everyday name, but when I went into house music and I went into DJing, I just went by Justin Kayser because I liked the way it sounded better. And I just, it just feels like me now. So it's like, I have everybody call me by that as my full name. The only time I really bring up Justin Simpson is if I'm signing a check for, you know, a bar tab or something like that. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. So, um, 
you've done a lot of creative av- avenues and, and, and genres. You're also an artist. I've seen your art mm-hmm. and it's like an anime, an anime type uh, style, um, sort of Sailor Moon-ish, I, the comic book, mm-hmm. for those who are familiar with um, a- um, Sailor Moon and, and the Sailor Moon anime, it started out as a manga. And so the characters, um, your art and is so- sort of resembles the Sailor Moon manga style. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're also a, and like an author. You have written several or a couple books. I don't know how far you're you're, you're into that, but um, like yeah. talk about every. You went from stand up to to writer. Um, I think you were always an artist, from what I remember, and now mm-hmm. you're de- DJing. Like, how did this trajectory um, happen from stand up? So basically, I've I've always been an artist. I've always been an artist. I used uh, Japanese animation as like my base that's why a lot of uh my artwork has sort of that japanese style that you're referring to it helped me draw people basically so when i uh i draw my album covers because i have my own uh music label club Caser records so i have the freedom to draw album all my album covers and put my artwork to good use that way and you mentioned uh, I had some mediocre success with a, like a few uh, romance novels that I had written as Justin Kayser as well. Those books are it was those books are currently out of print. Uh, but the good news is I own the copyrights to those books, so I can self-publish them if I ever wanted to. And on top of that, there was another book that I had finished uh, that I did not publish at all. So it's been in the vault since 2012, but I have yet to find the right avenue or the right time to release it. So I have three completed books that I did. Two of them were these mediocre successes. They did okay, but I just stopped writing because underneath the artistry and the, the book writing and the stand up comedy, I was, always been a house head. I've always been into house music and I've always enjoyed the concept of mixing music. So I think because I have put so much on my plate, I figured, oh, if I went into this other avenue of DJing and, you know, putting out music and stuff like that, people would think I'm just too much and wouldn't take me seriously. So I put that, you know, all in the back burner and tried to focus on a few different other things. And finally, once I gave up stand up and once I stopped the the novels, um, I finally decided, okay, maybe now would be a good time to get serious about this and actually put my um, my need to or my want to um, start DJing and start putting out music uh, around two thousand fifteen as when I publicly began DJing and. I didn't have my first release, my first official uh, music release until 2017. So it was was quite a bit of a journey, but I also feel I had the benefit of not being a famous person that I could get away with it. So Mm. I I figured, you know what? I'm not famous. I don't really have uh, a lot of fame. So if I did try and get into uh, electronic music and and DJing, uh, people could still take me seriously because I have that benefit of not of not being well known. Uh, it's it's funny that you mentioned that you're like you're taking advantage of these transitions when you're not famous because I you know it it's so it's you see this so 
so many times where, you know, an A-lister tries to do something else and like they get this huge like backlash and be like, what are they doing? And the criticism and, and as an artist, like, I mean, I'm just speaking generously, but generally, but on some level it's, it's, it's true. Like we're sensitive. We're sensitive Mm -hmm. to any, I'm sensitive to any type of feedback, compliments. I'm getting better on the compliments, but you know, the thumbs down on YouTube videos or, or I don't know, just any type of that is just like really like, uh, I mean, I've done a lot of work to just ignore it, but you know, I'm, I can't help but just be be affect like affected by it and you know i've i've seen you since i've known you since the beginning like we mm-hmm. first started as as comedians and i've mm-hmm. seen you do storytelling like i i remember uh peer reviewing of uh, like christopher was that the book yeah uh, christopher that's christopher. the book that never got published <laughs> the book that never got published but you're so, one of the few people that had the honor of actually getting to read it I really like that book. I'm probably going to go off on on ver- various talking talking tangents, but I just feel like when I'm with you, I do go on 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 a tangent. And I just remember reading that book, and um, one of the characters is based on you know, rest in peace, uh, Barbara Garber. Yes, yeah, uh, I call her <laughs> Shelly Manders in the book, but I'm so glad you picked up on that because. Yeah, um, there's a character in that book who is based on this uh, one comedian that you and I both know. Her name was Barbara Garber, and she wore like this beautiful turquoise, like uh, blazer or something like that. And she had the signature laugh and red hair that was in a bob. And I basically gave her the A-list treatment when I wrote um, the character of Shelley Manders, who's basically this like famous uh, Las Vegas comedian who had quite a career and she's happy just not traveling anymore and just doing shows at a, you know, a hotel or whatever. And, uh, but yeah, so I had, it was, I was very big on including bits and pieces of myself in that book at that time. And I wrote that book between like 2010, 2011. So it's pretty much a time capsule of everything that I was feeling and people I was meeting at that time. And, um, I just I don't I just don't really see a moment when I can release that book. Maybe it's just time and focus all of my energy onto you know electronic music at the moment, but uh, I'm so happy you remember that book. No, oh, yeah, I I totally remember it and uh that book like specifically um from what I remember I had a really great story storyline and it was like a mystery or, mm-hmm. or it was like a murder murder mystery. Yeah. Um, I really like that aspect. The villain was just like, I just remember the villain being like, wow, this guy's like pretty fucked up. <laughs> um, yeah. The villain was <laughs> Randall Black and he was a narcissist. He was a grandiose narcissist and uh, who thought he could uh, buy his way through everything. And, you know, I think if I look back on that, uh, there were some aspects that I thought were over the top, but with the way things have been going now in today's world and the more I have learned about narcissism and the different types of people that there are, it's really not that off from real life. So I'm, <laughs> I, I remember that character and I remember him do, I do remember him writing him to be grandiose, 
But uh, I think if we were to read that, if I were to read that character today, I would probably say, oh, this person, this villain is uh, no different than so-and-so or, <laughs> or whoever. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I'm still not done, but I'm, I'm still reading the, uh, um, the, uh, Lake Angels series. Oh, the Aquarian Angels series. Aquarian Angel series, yeah. which I, that, I could totally see that as like a series. Yeah. yeah I yeah. mean, it's sort of like, not, not quite, it's not true blood. It's, it's more, it's very like, um, Oh, how can I put this? It's like um, magical. Yeah. The thing is, when I wrote the Aquarian Angel series, and there's only two books in that series, that's the book that's, excuse me, the series that's currently out of print and that I own the copyrights to, thankfully. Uh, There was River and then there was Lakes. When I wrote those books, I was really into Anne Rice, and I was interested in the concept of cosmology. And I remember getting a headache writing those books because although I enjoyed the the romance aspect of it i was trying so hard to make sure that i had a good cosmology that people could get into and wasn't too over the top and wasn't too ridiculous and it was it's funny you bring those books up because i remember not too long ago i think i picked up river and i read a couple of the pages and i remember thinking to myself recently you know there's some good ideas in this books, but I probably would have done something a little bit different with like this character or this situation and stuff like that. But uh, I'm glad you, you remember those books and uh, like Christopher, hopefully one day I can get those self published and out there for people to read. So we're not just talking about it, but people can actually go out and uh, read the books for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome. So, so from, uh, the uh, Aquarian Angel series and DJing, like when, because you, you know, you were always like a house house head. That's well, I yeah. learned something from you. Had no idea. <laughs> yeah. So, um, when did when did the DJing start, um, like really taking off or off for you? And how has DJing compared to the other creative avenues that? you've taken how has it um affected your your emotional mental budgets like in your physical being and create in your creative side well the the thing is with DJing is like you know unlike stand-up comedy unlike writing and unlike any other creative venture I've taken DJing has never gotten old for me. It's always on my mind. It's something I think about when I get up in the morning. It's something I think about when I go to bed at night. It's something I think about after the gig is done. I think I I first, I first got into the concept of DJing. um, After I bought my first house music CD, which was ministry of sounds clubbers guide to 2001 and I bought it at this little uh, boutique on in Santa Monica. And it was the first time I had always liked house music because my um, my family had got premium cable for the first time in like 2001. And that's when they had like all the music channels. So, of course, I listened to the dance music channel and I would take down notes and I would hear I would listen to it so much. I would get to the point where I would recognize the same songs looping over and over again. And when I bought uh, the compilation CD, uh, Clever's Guide to 2001, that was the first time I had ever heard 
music mixed together. And I was so blown away, excuse me, so blown away by that concept of having music just blend all at once so you could be dancing nonstop for an entire hour. It's like, I have been listening to music from beginning to end with like a gap in the middle for all this time. And to know that I could blend it all together to just keep it going. I want to know how to do that. I want to know how to, you know, that's, I think that was just the, the moment for me. It's like, I, this is something I really, really want to do. And I'd say, I just kept on collecting music and learning more about the music I liked and where it all came from. And then I think I made like little mix CDs that weren't really good uh, around like 2004 when I got into, or when I was in high school and stuff like that. And I was able to, you know, get my hands on uh, computer programs that could, where you could mix music together and I burned them onto CDs and then I would hand them to friends to see how they liked them. Then I started learning more about uh, beats per minute and mixing in key and stuff like that on my computer. And then my mix CDs got a lot better. And it wasn't until uh, 2015 when I uh, DJed publicly for the first time. It was for a private party in San Francisco. And when I s did that for the first time, I was completely nervous, but I never looked back after that. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Uh I love your covers. You know, your art and your music go together. If that makes sense. No, that I I totally I totally get that. Um, I to me the artwork to match the music is very important to me. So, for example, my favorite house music label of all time is Naked Music, and they are a house music label that's known for being very soulful, very deep, and very. Um, song uh, what's the, what's the term i'm looking for um uh, 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 they have a huge focus on songwriting and their covers are famous for having like these like goddess type women who are nude but it's not objective it's very sensual it's very artistic and it's very um uh it matches the mood of the music and like I could stare at those covers for hours or I could stare at the covers while I'm listening to the music that's on those albums and it matches. So when I um, got into the business of uh, actually making music and putting stuff out, it was important to me that the album covers that I put out on my own label anyway matched so that people could get the same vibe that they get from the, uh, the cover and it wasn't just a selling point, but it was actually like the two matched together. And to me, that's very important to have. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> uh, I, I re reflect on my own like creative path where uh, it was it was the financial crisis where I noticed the I wasn't performing as much. I, got, I was still doing it uh, mm -hmm. more so like in the recover in the, on the recovery side than any like public open open mic and then I moved in 2018 and mm -hmm. I did a couple of open mics and 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 stuff and then like basically like stopped and like I only do it really like in recovery uh on in recovery like conventions and 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 whatnot and I'm like more comfortable doing comedy in the recovery community than I am in other other places and mm -hmm. um I did this podcast 
And it's always, here's the thing, like, it's always going to be with me. I don't know how, how you feel, but I, I will always have like the comedic soul and whatever I do, like I wrote a screenplay based on a relationship that didn't work out. And Mm -hmm. I, 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 um, and the screenplay came based on a Facebook post. Like I posted about what happened. And then one of my comedian friends was like, this reads like a screenplay. And so it, it, it sparked inspiration. I just, you know, um, wrote out this, this uh, screenplay, this short film short based on that, uh, relationship and um and I wanted to film it but just didn't happen like yet and well now it's COVID so definitely mm-hmm. not not doing that Athen Ritter we we wrote a film we co-wrote um a film uh, throw the ball and run and it won it won our March 2018. No, uh, the years are blending together. Like yeah. our March March film challenge, and then uh, we submitted it for a film festival that my acting coach runs, um, Bay Bay Area Bay Act Bay Area Actors Film Festival, and it won best on ensemble, and I played the lead, and um, Athen uh, directed it, and. Um, you know, low budget, but it was so much fun, like making it. Well, the thing is, even like in the DJing world, you you have to, um, it's best at this point, I think, to get your hand in as many different revenue streams as you possibly can. If you do uh, live streaming, which is what a lot of DJs, excuse me, a lot of DJs are doing right now during the pandemic and the lockdown, uh, you got to monetize your live streams. You got to put out more music, um, have like a Patreon page going if you can, where you can like have different tiers for your fans. So you can send them like free songs or whatever. Basically, I think that's why for me, I've always been interested in so many different, uh, avenues of art and stuff like that. And casting my iron in so many different fires is because you, you don't want to limit yourself to just one thing. If you are a creative spirit, you got to see what you can do. And if you can make it beneficial to you in any way, shape or form, uh, don't pass the chance up. Yeah. How has, how has being a DJ compared to, uh, you know, uh, the other creative outlets that you've done? Have you felt that it's been, more um like healing healing on a mentally spiritually like more connected to your creative spirit compared to the other the other creative outlets well it's interesting i definitely um i can't get it out of my head so it's almost like a euphoric sensation where all the serotonin is released every single time I do it. Like I could be, I could have a 103 fever. I could be sad from the entire day. But once I start DJing, I come alive. It's like, it's, it does something to me that, and I don't want to say that the other stuff doesn't do that. Like for me, when I draw, I certainly feel that I, I certainly feel the same stuff I get from DJing, but from DJing, there's just something about it that it's always interesting. Every single time I do it, it's always different. And because of that, because it's always changing, it's always evolving. It's, it's, I always 
I always want to do it. And I just, I just feel like, you know, at some point you got to figure out what it is that you truly want to do with the rest of your life. And for me, when I get to a club and I put my USB stick in and I play the first track and I start mixing from nonstop, I feel like that's it. Like this is mm -hmm. it. This connects with me on so many different levels that it's just, um, it's, it's where I belong and it's what I do. It's, it's like, you know, it brings me closer to people. It brings me on so many different ways. It can connect me with an entire crowd in a way I couldn't, if, uh, I wasn't doing it, it's connected me with, it's basically shown me the way to my tribe. Like, for example, um, two yeah. years ago, two years ago, I started going to the continental, uh, bar in san jose my friend uh eddie house who is a dj we met one night and i played a song he's like oh i haven't heard this song in forever and we connected right away after that and i found out that he was the resident dj for this party called rhythm ritual which happens at the continental and i went to one of his parties and i met so many different people who i now call my close friends there and because of him and because of the music and because of the whole culture of DJing, I feel like I, I found where I belong and I found my tribe. And to me, that was call it, uh, it healed me on so many different levels that nothing else has ever done before. And I think that's where I knew this is it. This is what I'm supposed to do. And this it, it's, it, it made me feel my place in the world and I couldn't be more thankful for that. Oh, uh, I was thinking about like, you know, finding, finding your tribe and it, and such timing, like we're in a pandemic mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, uh, people, people are dying either yeah. not, not by COVID, but as the results of, of COVID where, um, jo jobs, the gig, 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 econ gig economy where um, people, artists were dependent on, like Holly Hollywood has shut down and there's some, some productions are, are slowly getting, getting back on, but it's not like, it's not a full, you know, entry into, um, you know, into um, pr production. And I know with D DJing, uh, you know, they're streaming, but I don't know if you heard this. Did you hear about like, um, um, uh, cease and desist orders because DJs are, um, they're using music or they can't broadcast like music because it's streaming and like, I, <laughs> I'm like, that's yeah, crazy. No, I, that is I, crazy. Yeah. The thing is they're, they're DJing, they're doing what they do best on platforms that were never meant to be, uh, of, of service to them, like Facebook and stuff like that. It was just meant for like silly little videos with like self from your phone and stuff like that. It was never meant to be this thing that DJs, uh, make their living through, uh, basically, especially during a pandemic. I'm not saying that they shouldn't be doing that. I think they should be doing that because if that's what they do best and they got to put that out there, they should be doing that. That's what social media is for, to show people what it is that you do and what you are about. And um, I think what this pandemic has shown is that there needs to be avenues like that 
for DJs to do what they do best again. So they have that extra revenue of um, income. Uh, I think one of the people that I've really looked up to in terms of DJ wise, who's handled this whole thing terrifically is DJ sneak. Um, DJ sneak is this legendary house, uh, excuse me, uh, DJ from Chicago. And he, uh, just saying, you know, fuck Facebook, fuck um, uh, <laughs> social media altogether. I'm going to make my own website and I'm going to monetize my streams and I'm going to make people pay for tickets to see these live streams so I can make money and that we do not get flagged uh, for uh, cease or cease get cease and desist letters because it's a private stream and it's not through, uh, you know, a public platform like mm. Facebook. Mm. Uh, there's also... Um, there's websites like mixcloud.com, which they've now included a live stream uh, 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 avenues because they are they've been famous for allowing DJs to upload uh, nonstop mixes, excuse me, nonstop mixes without copyright issues because they bought the licenses from like ASCAP or BMI or BMG and all these different uh, music royalty uh, companies, and uh, they've offered a live stream uh option now so it's it's more more about trying to uh find the right avenue and i think with bigger platforms like facebook and whatever they do need to find a way to make it beneficial to djs to use their platforms otherwise they're gonna go you know their own route and uh either use mixcloud or have their own website like dj sneak and stuff like that mm, what uh what have you you've done so me personally, um, I have not uh, DJed publicly since April of 2020. That was the last time I was in a club. I've been more focused on my music aspect. Now, granted, the music does not bring in a lot of money, sad to say, but that's the truth of the way the things are music industry-wise. Um because music uh, basically right now has become like a business card for artists. So it's basically like, Hey, if you like what I hear, I can perform for you live or do something for you. Or, um, you, you have a song that goes viral on a YouTube video or on a, a, through a Spotify playlist and you can get lucky that way. But for me, um, I've just been more focused on putting out different remixes of songs. I had a EP that came out this year with my friend infected son, who's this amazing chill house producer from the uk we put out an ep together called remember the day and we had four different songs on it and we had a remix ep that followed with like four different remixes of the four different songs and that's been doing very well for me so i put more of my energy into the music aspect of it so when i do come out of the pandemic or i do go back to djing i have even more music than i originally had um when uh you know, I stopped, I stopped uh, going out to clubs to, to DJ and stuff like that. So I just put my focus um, onto a different aspect of my uh, DJ career, if you will, and focus more on the music. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm just like really, really amazed, like how you've hung in there for yeah for yourself um and how how are you um let's see i 
I'm probably going to cut this out. I'm out of, I'm out of blank. I want to know. No worries. Like how, how has the dating been during this, during this time? You know what? I've actually, it's, it's almost nearly impossible with like social distancing and, you know, I've gone up to, since the, the bars have half reopened in like San Francisco, which I usually go to and they've paired up with, uh, like different restaurants, uh, to keep in, keep in business. It's pretty much non-existent for me. I I'm not focused on a boyfriend right now. I'm focused on my music right now. Mm -hmm. So, and I've been a lot happier because of that. So I think for dating, uh, there's been, uh, I don't, I don't know. It's kind of hard to say. It's kind I just, I haven't really thought about it, to be honest with you. I figure I will get back to that aspect of my life when uh, this whole thing blows over and I can be in close contact with people. But for right now, what's keeping me sane is, you know, my support system, my friends and staying in contact and, uh, and my music and my art. It's just like, so I don't necessarily have to, uh, think about that part of my life right now. It's on hold, and I know it'll happen one day. And uh, I'm so I, I'm I basically I'm taking everything one day at a time, and that's what's been helping me. Yeah, same. I it was not. Hmm, yeah, it wasn't really much going on, like even pre pre COVID, like really, yeah. really, really, um, and even more more so like. I'm finding like during this COVID time where I'm just focusing on, on my recovery, uh, my okay. fin financial um, stability and, yeah. and uh, just being, being by myself and not, I mean, it's not, it's not sad and not like I'm, there's a difference between like being by myself and like isolation. I'm not in isolation. Yeah. I'm not in isolation, like emotionally, mentally. Like I do, I do reach out to people. Yeah. I find that my bandwidth is like, I only have the bandwidth to like talk to like a couple, like a couple of people. And mm -hmm. I, and I keep up mostly like people on, on, on Facebook, but actually like talking to people, it's not that much. Um, yeah interesting thing with me is I actually found out because of this pandemic, I'm actually not as much of an introvert as I thought I was pre because <laughs> I always thought, you know, it's funny. I always say like DJs are introverts who like to go to parties because we control what happens, but at the same time, it's just us at the DJ booth and we're not necessarily interacting with the crowd. But I found through the pandemic, you know, I actually do like interacting with people. I love my friends and I love, you know, getting to know people for whatever reason, whether it's, you know, romantic or uh, platonic or whatever, but it's just, um, I re realize that, that, you know, I do need, I do need to be around people, but at the same time, I also know that I can be fine, even if that's not always the case, like if I'm not always going to be around people. Uh, just, I'd say, again, take everything one day at a time and don't take anything for granted, including the time to yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've been thinking about, like, um, 
Like you're uh, you're still living living with your mom, correct? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm with the I'm with the family at the moment. How how's your how's your family doing during this time? Uh, we're we're hanging in there. Um, I'm uh, I'm I'm doing. Uh, luckily, I still have income coming in, so I know we're going to be okay. Uh, let's I'll just leave it at that. Um, but uh, luckily, um, I have a really good family and a really good support system, so I am not. Uh, too worried about our well-being or so it's just um i guess i don't i don't really know what i'm trying to say other than we're we're fine we're okay that's good, that's good. yeah I'm, I'm i'm in quarantine with with my brother and um yeah he's an event inventor and a scientist and he's been in the semiconductor industry for over 20 years now maybe a little mm-hmm. bit little bit more than that when this whole thing went went down we we had a house meeting and talked about um uh, entering and exiting the the apartment and um we looked at the layout of our of our um, condo and we actually have um a spare closet that we have designated as our outdoor gear so our outdoor shoes are in that closet and our outdoor like parka and um, coverings are in there in our mask. He he happened to have the N95 mask. mask cool. Because he does, he's building a tiny home. And so he had some spares lying around. So I've had the same mask since we we started. I haven't... I'm, um, I'm a white-collar worker. So as an accountant, um, and at the time... I was uh, working at uh, Nike, so we all worked worked from home. And it's mm-hmm. really interesting, like um, since COVID hit, and and I lost my job in 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 July, and um, advocating to recruiters that I want 100% remote, and it was just slow. It wasn't really hitting the consciousness of the employer on the, um, importance of, cause, cause I would ask like, is it a hundred percent remote? They're like, well, no, you still need to come in. I'm like, no, sorry, I can't take it. And, um, and just having that, that balance of, of, it, it, like, it's scary cause you're advocating mm-hmm. for yourself, but you also need like money and unemployment shit. Like unemployment doesn't cover like anything. It, it's, it's something, but it's not like, you know, at the level of what, of what you're, what you're making. And I just really powered on through in a way where it was unacceptable. I even started getting a little bit more vocal on LinkedIn and I never get vocal on LinkedIn. I usually save like my vocalness for Facebook, but I was like, this is ridiculous. (laughs) I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to LinkedIn and be like, do like 100% Cause, and I told, I would tell recruiters, I was like, you can't bill your client when you have dead contractors. You're like, no money for you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, you, and they, I, I could, I could, it's on the phone, but I could like see their face through the phone. And I feel like they're just looking at me like I have two heads and I'm speaking French. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, um, it, it's, uh, I think the more, 
I think part of that just has to do with growing up and getting older. Like the more you realize, you know, I don't got much time left and I don't know how much time I'm going to have left or what the future is going to hold for me. So I just have to be blunt and upfront with it. And I realize that's usually the best route to take. It's always good to self-advocate for yourself. And I'm glad um, you see the importance of that. You know, it's uh, one thing I I've, realized in whatever venture it is I have in terms of my job or whatever that I be vocal about um I be vocal for myself otherwise you know no one else will it's just it's just the reality of the reality of it and it's you know it's it's tough especially when you have to do the motivation for yourself but I think that that's important and you should definitely uh, this is to this is to anyone to self advocate for yourself because it's you know the, the just go on and say it because we don't have much time and we don't you know it you don't want to spend the rest of your time pondering well if I had just done that just do it you know kind of the uh, I don't know yeah I think I, I went off a little bit of a tangent right there yeah but, I'm just uh, re- remembering pre like pre COVID, you know, the times that I, I have advocated for, for myself, let's see it. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I what I rem, I remember the energy and you know, what I'm coming up, up against of like your, your trouble when, really it's like you just want a safe place like I want to go to a work place where uh I'm not bullied and people respect each other in a way that um you know sexual sexual harassment is like all about power and like all all the trainings and even even like when it comes to resolution, like when it does, when it does happen, like how it was dealt before in my experience was like, um, like, oh my God, Veronica said something like, oh, we're in trouble. When, and, and this happened to me, um, and it got, it got resolved, but I, I, it's it's just a matter of like well this is what I want like I don't want coworkers like touching me and it wasn't coming from a sexual harassment place it was coming from a place of like yeah you don't need to touch me to get my attention you could say Veronica come look at this hey hey Veronica you don't need to touch me and this person would just like touch me to get my attention and after you said no yeah um okay well wait no it um I, yeah, I, I didn't say don't touch me. I said like, there's other, you know, you could, you could, uh, just call my name. You don't need to actually physically touch, like touch my body to get my attention, but it would still happen. Okay. Well, there you go. Then you clearly said that you do not want something to happen to you and they continue to do it. Then yes, that is a problem. The problem is, uh, if you have uh, someone who's in a position of power and you have what I call their flying monkeys, basically they're, <laughs> they're people who, um, you know, stick, enable whoever it is, is doing the, the touching or, or, or whatever. It, it makes you feel like you've got no one to turn to. And that's, 
that creates for a toxic environment. And I think a lot of that has to do with, um, you know, people feeling entitled and, uh, it's, it, it just depends on it's, it's everywhere. It's just, you know, it's a, it's a tough, t- it's a tough thing to deal with, but it does have to be done and you, you still have to stick up for yourself. Otherwise you've got nothing left and, you know, yeah, it's just, the best thing to do is just walk away if it's not going to work for you. There's other places that you should, that you should be. And if that's not one of them, then at least now, you know, it's, but at the same time, it's tough to deal with and no one should have to be, no one should ever have to say, you know, no one should, should ever have to be put in that position where they have to say, Hey, stop touching me. And then it keeps, keeps on happening after you've clearly stated what you don't want to happen. That's what I like, you know, the, like pre pre COVID and then like after COVID this, um, I, that's why I kept like advocating for a remote, re, remote, re, remote working because like, I don't need to see you. I don't need to come into the office. And there's been this like, I don't believe friends at work. Like I don't understand that concept like if I want friends, I get it outside of work. I, I, what's coming up for me, like even during this pandemic and working, re, re, working remotely, is is that um, I think it's unhealthy to have friends at work. Like I'm, I'm professional. Like I'm friendly. I'm not a total like like dick, but like I don't care what happens outside of this room. Like I don't want to hear about your husband I don't want to hear about what you did you know in the over the weekend and like do you really do you care do you honestly honestly care because no CEO has ever come down the pipeline to like have vested like vested interests in their employees and then like what what happened at um what happened at the last the last job though it's like I don't think a lot of what's been really explored with with harassment because it's such like a violent word is you know what you have said like the sense of entitlement or people just not aware have like no sense of like awareness of like touching touching employees to get their attention and not like oh look at me look at me it it was like oh I need you need to look at this what's on my screen I'm like okay like I'll, I'll but you don't need to touch me but where's that, like, the lack of awareness just wasn't there. But I think COVID is just slowly, like, etching etching away at this um, entitlement and privilege to workers who aren't in the management, who aren't in management and above. Mm-hmm. I Well, it's funny that we're seeing uh, so many different companies now rechanging their entire uh, model of how they get their workers to work like twitter just announced a couple of months ago that they're officially going to be strictly work from home they're not going to have people commute on caltrain all the way up to san francisco anymore google is going to have a work from home all their their employees until july 2021 so i think what we are realizing now is that there are certain um ways of doing work that should have that can be done a certain way and they should be done that way permanently because they work best that way. And, um, 
it's 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 reshaped it's reshaped everything in terms of the workplace like um although i do would argue with that there are some companies to work for that make it comfortable enough that you can have friends uh in the workplace like uh I've had plenty of friends from my job at uh, Trader Joe's that I consider very close because the environment was so good. Um, there maybe not everybody, but um, it just really depends on uh, what kind of work environment it is, and also what the company is like as a whole. Like you compare um, a company like let's say Trader Joe's and Safeway, it's uh, they're, they're run completely different and you can feel it just mm -hmm. as a cut from a customer's point of view, like the vibes are t totally different. So it's, it really comes down to like the way a company is run, who it's run by, what your philosophy is, and then how it affects your, the people who work for you and things like that. Um, it's a lot, it's a lot to take in, but um, I d definitely agree with you that this whole uh pandemic has shown that there are, are much better ways to do certain types of work and they should probably stay that way going forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, how like I, and you know, when I do these contracting jobs, it basically, it, it, it finances my creativity. I mean, I had this conversation with my brother where it's like, it's like whatever your passions are, like a day job helps. I mean, like because we're in, we're we're still in capitalism. It's it's still in a capitalistic like eco ecosystem where mm -hmm. it you know it it's not friendly. It's not an artist friendly fish. Like we're in a fish. Like if we're in like um, a fish bowl and the bowl is capitalism and like I'm just and, and I'm a fish as an artist. I'm in this bowl of capitalism trying to swim around. It's like can't really. And like even like how how it's it's structured, where you have to be like someone big or a list or or, or a big name to really pull the, pull the money, and and these working DJs are just just like hanging high and high and dry. You know now there's platforms getting out there to support like all level of DJ, whether. You know, mm -hmm. from the Tiesto to like, you know, guys, um, guys like you or people, mm -hmm. people like you, like, or either starting out or they've been doing it for, for, um, a while. And, you know, I'm, I'm curious, like if after COVID, will this change, like how art, can we as artists make, like, you know, have a chance at making I'm making a sustainable living without like, you know, being in this capitalistic ecosystem, like crushing us because it's crushing, it's crushing artists. There's absolutely like no, it's, it's not friendly for, for creativity. Um, yeah. Well, arts have always been a, a hard thing to get into. You can guarantee like thousands and thousands of years ago when Aristophanes did the first play uh, in set at the, you know, the Coliseum or whatever, you, you guarantee there are people saying, there's don't bother getting in. It's all rigged. You won't get the part or whatever. It's just, <laughs> it's just 
it's it's always been a hard business to get into. So I think we're for artists, we're finding new ways to get our messages across to certain people during a tough time, like let's say a pandemic or so. However, um, I think eventually, you know, like for me as a DJ, when nightclubs reopen again and uh, bars you know, become open again or music is going to be needed to be provided, um, it, the, the hustle is just going to continue. It's always a hustle, it, whether you're underground or if you're an A-lister. So whether you are a DJ Sneak or a Calvin Harris or if you're a Justin Kayser, you're it's always going to be a hustle no matter what. You're always going to need to put out music. You're always going to need to... Um, it's the same thing as being a comedian. You know, One of the, the things I learned about trying to get into the world of comedy and getting stand-up time was uh, you need to be doing, at the very bare minimum, you need to be doing stand-up at least once a week or um, do as many uh, you know, open mics as you can. It's that hustle as an artist is always going to continue, whether it's post-pandemic, pre-pandemic, or during the pandemic or not. Um, I think there might be new opportunities because of this that we have discovered, like such as streaming or monetizing, excuse me, monetizing our DJ streams and things like that. But it's always going to be a hustle no matter what, whether it's a capitalistic government or not. I mean, it doesn't sound very beneficial if you are in a capitalistic type of society, but at the same time, no matter what the the type of government, there's always going to be a hustle no matter what because the arts are so competitive and there's so many great artists out there and you, it's all about, a lot of it's luck, unfortunately, I hate to say it, but a lot of it's luck and then some of it is hard work and sometimes it's a mixture of both, but that's what keeps it interesting for me anyway, to want to keep, to want to keep doing it. One, because I just love it so much. And, uh, whether I am financially successful at this or not, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep doing it either way. Yeah. That's a good attitude to have. That's important too. Cause we're talking about like, you know, the, 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 the creative source as a means to like fuel, like all your, all your houses to put it mm-hmm. that way, you know, your mental house, your spiritual house, your financial, um, house and, you know, enough to be, to be sustainable, like enough to like, yeah, I, you know, I can pay rent doing this. I can buy food. I can, you know, support the tra- um, travel and, um, yeah. I'm appreciative now. I mean, like, you know, Patreon came up like before COVID, but yeah, you know, even more so these platforms have just like exploded, like Zoom, Zoom, Zoom was just this little, like I've heard of it before, but then pandemic happened and then it just like exploded and like they had some some security issues and they have since, since addressed them with, you know, these new, you know, um, economies are, are sprouting, sprouting up where um, I feel it's giving artists you know, a chance. And my, my one, one of my concerns that I have is like the, the gatekeeper, the, the, whoever these gatekeepers are or set up in a way, like you could be famous, but not, not you. Like, I don't like that. Like, I want to know, uh, like, I, I know about your, your music because I, I, I know you. And, yeah. you know, I'm on, um, I had Pandora for a little bit. I have my Apple, I have my Apple like like music, but when I had Pandora, 
you know, uh, that's how I found out about new music. Like, you know, a track mm-hmm. would come up in my, in the randomness yeah. of the algorithm. But like, who's controlling that algorithm? Like, but that's how I found out about new music. But at the same time, it's like, who, who are these gatekeepers? Is, is certain, only a certain type of musicians get to go in and be, be exposed? Like, that's what I... I would like, um, you know, more accessibility to other art, other artists that are out there. And I'm not like being dictated to like, listen to this mm-hmm. musician, but not like, that's how deep, like radio, radio stations that used to be, it used to be like just the D the, there's an actual DJ mm-hmm. in the little booth. Like I want to play, like they played the music that they wanted to play. And that's not, that's not happening anymore. That's long, long gone. Now it's like these industry, like you listen to this music, like play these songs. It's like, I don't want that. Yeah. Well, the thing is a lot of that has to do with uh, huge record labels, but I've always had this philosophy and there, there in order for a song to be successful and to get out there, you need one of three things. I call them the big three. You either need a, you need uh, your song to be played in the clubs. You need radio play. And then the third I would add is you need to have your song put onto a playlist. Luckily we live in an age now where any artist can get their music out there. They just need a music distributor and most good reputable music distributors um, can get Even if you went on your own label or so they can get your music to every single music platform out there. So you listen to Pandora or Apple music one there. I am on Pandora and I'm on Apple Music and I run everything on my own label. So I'm able to get my music out there. The thing is as a the 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 problem the big difference is with if you were if I were signed to a major record label, they have promo like crazy. They send out your music to all the record uh, you know, all the radio stations, they have certain deals, back-end deals where they can get your music played or put onto playlists and stuff like that. But for me as an independent artist, you know, I have to do the hustle myself. You know, I have to submit my song through Spotify to be chosen for one of their playlists. Or, um, you know, I have to put my send out promo copies of my upcoming single to many different DJs and see if they will play it. And it's just, um, again, it's a, it's a constant hustle, but at the top three, you, you need a club play, you need radio play and you need, uh, your song to be on a, on a play, on a playlist with lots of followers. So it's, um, there's many different ways to get your music out there and not have it be dictated to you. Like even Pandora's algorithm, even if, if you, as the, you know, the listener pick out an artist that you like, um, cause they have that situation where they have like so-and-so radio and then they play, uh, songs with like different types of criteria and Pandora will usually show you, especially if you click on the song why they picked it out for you and it shows you like the different aspects of the song uh why it's similar to the stuff you already listened to there's many many different aspects to it it's a again that's what makes it interesting but it's also what makes it a hustle Mm. Mm. well good to know that you're on pandora and apple music oh yeah i'm everywhere so spotify uh, apple music um itunes track source beatport all that stuff 
Yay, cool. <laughs> so um, we are at we we are at the end. Uh, where can uh, people find you? So I'm on Instagram at Justin underscore Kazer. And uh, my upcoming single, It's Not the Last Time, will be out October 6th with remixes by Mark DeMeo and Guy Scheiman. And that will be available everywhere on Spotify, iTunes, uh, TrackSource, Beatport, all that good stuff. Cool. Um, are you, um, any plans to do like a live um, stream? You know, I don't have the equipment and my computer needs to be updated. So I mm. definitely need to uh, invest in more uh, equipment before I can start live streaming again or at all, I should say. Otherwise, I have plenty of pre-made mixes on my Mixcloud page, mixcloud.com slash Lounge, And I have daily shows that uh, come on the first week of every month. So the first Friday is the Poolcast. First Saturday at 6 p.m. is Night Swim. And then on Sundays, the first Sunday of every month, it's Brunch Jazz. So I have a whole bunch of different avenues going on for me. And uh, yeah check me out. Uh, I think you'll find something you'll like. Yeah. I've been listening. I've been listening to, um, your YouTube channel. Oh, right on the one. You got a couple. I'm running the, uh, the Justin Kaiser, uh, channel. Yeah. So I was listening to the DJ mix. Oh, Um, right on. Yeah. It's an hour and 13 minutes. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, that's uh, that was a uh, that particular mix was done for a friend of mine. His name is Ivan Ruiz, and he has a podcast of his own. And I just uploaded my music from that um, from from that particular podcast onto my channel, and I included some of my artwork and stuff like that. And uh, I'm very proud of it. It's got some it's got, it's got some good selections in that mix. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting thought. Uh, maybe. <laughs> I was gonna so on on the YouTube channel I gotta let me see let me see if I could get to it so at 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 let's see it was because uh, you you have your art and so at minute ten thirteen yeah minute ten thirteen I don't know if you noticed this but if you go to minute uh, ten no I'm sorry minute ten thirty uh, on the YouTube channel um, so the the entire piece the entire piece is is two two men uh, like sitting down I don't know if you if you could go Okay I'm going to my uh, I'm going to that it, channel right now This is just funny I got to share this with you Okay So if you go to minute minute 1030 and and you go to that and like just like pause pause it Let me let uh-huh. me let me see if you're there Okay so this is the uh Justin Kazer DJ mix Yeah yeah Okay and now it's a minute and ten thirty a yeah. minute and thirteen seconds. Thirty, ten thirty, minute ten thirty. Oh, 30. 30. A minute. Oh, ten thirty like minute ten thirty. Oh, ten thirty. Like, like ten thirty. I'm I'm sorry. Not okay. a minute. Not a minute thirty, but ten thirty. Okay. The, the ten thirty minute. Okay, almost there. And I am pausing it. Okay. okay. So that's his arm, right? Yeah. That's his arm. But it kind of looks like a butt. 
and like (laughs) (laughs) that's the shadow of his muscle that's so silly so the his arm the tan part so that's the butt and i thought okay because i know i know you do like um like uh like homoerotic like type art too and kind of yeah and i thought this was one of your pictures where okay here's this guy and like from the distance like like some um like foreground background type and i so i thought this was one of your characters like um gay characters like a gay like setting like homoerotic like type like in like here's this you know hot guy with a shirt no pants just like bending no. over bend, like no so that and i was like oh okay i just i just thought and but then it's like if you um magnify you go to like, like out it's like you know if you go forward forward it's like a, a guy it's just like a guy in his on the arm and he's like sitting down i'm like oh okay. no, so, the, so that drawing is okay so the interesting story about this drawing it's me and another artist named blue hamilton and it's him wearing a t-shirt of my favorite album of all time called beautiful tomorrow by blue six oh. so that's that's what that is so it's me and we're in this like booth at like a nightclub or whatever. And it's me and blue Hamilton. And he's, <laughs> he's wearing a, sh- a t-shirt of my favorite uh, album of all time. That's what that is. I didn't know that. Cause I'm just listening. I'm listening to the music, but I'm at, I'm at, um, I'm at 10, I'm at minute 10 30. So I don't know what the whole picture is. Yeah. Cause it moves, it moves slow. It moves slow. But if I, you go to eighteen, if you go to eighteen fifty, you will see the entire album. You see the yeah. entire drawing. Yeah, but I'm listening. I'm I'm just listening to it. I'm like, oh, okay, there's a dude's butt um, no, bending no. over, and I thought because no. I know you do that type of art. I thought that was just one of one of the pictures that you uploaded. I would never, <laughs> I would never do that, especially on YouTube. <laughs> oh and yeah, I'm certainly not going to do it for I'm certainly not going to do it. It would have flagged it, maybe. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I certainly am not going to do that for an album cover. So it's like... <laughs> no, if you want to see well, like the kind of album covers I do right now, check out the uh, album cover for Club Kaiser Pool Lounge Volume 1. That's more of what I, I do now. Mm-hmm. Or, um, uh, yeah, I, I keep it very simple and I keep it very clean. Um. Okay. Good. I mean, I, 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 I mean, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've seen other, other, ca- uh, you know, I've seen all types of like, you know, album covers and whatnot. And like, they're, yeah. some of them are explicit, but it's like, whatever. It's like, I'm, I, I come from an artist family. It's where I, I get, I get the expression. And I just thought, I, I thought that you were just doing your expression. Like, I wasn't offended or anything. Oh, no, like, not at oh. all. Oh, it's Justin's art. Like it was like it wasn't even like I wasn't even phased, but it was like, oh, but okay, cool. Like, and then the pictures. No, so no, okay. But again, you know, like I said earlier, I'm really influenced. My artwork now is really in in terms of album artwork is really influenced by the artwork of Naked Music, and that is. but again, I don't copy what Naked Music does. Their album covers are very beautiful, and very, the women on those covers are like goddess-like. So I think that's why I've attracted, and that might result in some of my album covers. But um, no, when it comes to that or putting anything on YouTube, it's I, I keep it I keep it classy. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I And plus like YouTube, I, they've gotten a lot more stricter. So. Uh, oh yeah. And I expect them to get stricter and stricter. The more um, they become, they monetize everything and the rules change and all that stuff. Yeah. Okay. 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 Now we really, we really need to like depart. So okay. uh, my, so my website is vcomedy.com. So you can find me at www.veecomedy.com edy.com episodes of the podcast are posted on there you could if you like this episode subscribe like uh, give us a five star rating on um, apple Podcasts, spotify and wherever you get your podcasts um, or or anchor i'm on anchor as well if you want a personal video message get me on cameo look me up veronica porus five bucks gets you a personal video message from me and i'm also on twitter at v porous v-e-e-p-o-r-r-a-s and um the podcast is on um oh i'm sorry that's instagram instagram at v porous.com twitter at veronica porous and instagram for porous podcast p-o-r-a-s-s P-O-D-C-A-S-T. And all that information will be on the show notes. Same with Justin's info. Justin's info will be on the show notes. So catch them at a platform um, near you or online. Um, Yeah, online for the time being. But uh, just remember, it's not the last time. I will see you on the dance floor when all of this shit is done and over with. Yeah. So for updates, like what's the best platform to get any Justin updates like Instagram? Okay, yeah. Instagram really is uh, the best place because I'm a pictureaholic. So you'll see all of my album covers. I love using the... uh, was it the story feature? So just at uh, Justin underscore Kaiser, you'll find me on Instagram. Or if you're on, excuse me, if you're on Facebook, you can find my labels uh, Facebook page. Just type in Club Kaiser Records and hit that like button and you'll stay up to date with everything that I put out music wise. Cool. All right. That concludes another episode of Poor Ass Podcast with my guest, Justin Kaiser. So thank you so much for um being on the podcast justin and thank um, you veronica yeah you be well and thanks everyone see you till next time 